I learned that there's lots of information, not a lot of research. There's a little tiny bit of research, but not a lot of research to back it up. It's really kind of fueled by um, money and politics. Companies, yeah. Companies yeah, who make the, make the products. Yeah, it's it's so, When I went through this, this food brand and we decided to like go down this route and did we did the whole thing. We did the manufacturers, the food scientists. It's funny because like my, my daughter's like, let's do this. And at first I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I started to look into it and I'm like, they they have to be doing the best they are, like the best that's out there. I'm sure people are doing their best and the brands that are out there. are. Pro- and then I'm looking into it and I'm like, this is mind boggling. And it's, I felt like Aaron Brockovich. It's like, if we don't do something about this, like what is going to happen? We, we need to do something. It's not okay. All right. Hi, parents. Welcome back to Parenting on Purpose. Today we have Miss Angela Poach, our neighbor from the north, and she is a, uh, a health and wellness coach, and she has a specificity in nutrition. So this is a very near and dear topic on my heart. Angela, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Caitlin. Absolutely. I super appreciate you being here. This is the perfect day to have you on because we just launched today our children's snack brand. We're doing a high-protein, uh, plant-based low sugar um, children's snack. So this is a topic in my household that I can learn a lot from, and I think our parents will glean a lot from it as well. So uh, how are you today and where are you at in the world? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, the sun is coming up because it's morning here. I'm in the southeast corner of British Columbia, Canada. So I'm just north of Glacier National Park in Montana. Um, and wow. uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a beautiful day, I think. That's awesome. Do you guys go in Fahrenheit or Celsius? Uh, Well, that's kind of funny. Uh, Technically, it's Celsius, uh, but I do Fahrenheit in the summer and Celsius in the winter. (laughs) Just because it sounds less depressing. Zero feels like frozen, right? Zero. So Celsius is zero is frozen. Uh, So all the minuses make sense to me. But then, you know, when we get summer, I I want it to be warm. So I think, oh, 90. Yeah, that sounds good versus, you know. (laughs) That sounds like we add those extra. That's hysterical. Oh my gosh. I love that. Amazing. So why don't you start us? Yeah. No, not at all. I think that's great. It's like life is um, your perspective. So make it work. I love that. Uh, why don't we start off with uh, you giving a little bit of backstory. I know you have a bunch of courses. I know you help a lot uh, of parents in a lot of different ways. So maybe a quick uh, story about how you've gotten to this point and where you're currently um, working in terms of helping educate parents on all types of aspects of relationship with children, but specifically nutrition. Sure. Um, yeah, well, uh, I am um, a mom. And so, you know, you kind of start, you start at home. And uh, my, I have one son. He's now, oh gosh, he'll be 23 in June. <laughs> so, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and actually, I homeschooled, and um, I myself had irritable bowel, um, so I had health issues, and specifically stress and nutrition, because those are food, food and nutri- food and stress. Those are the two big triggers for IBS, um, and also okay. people with Crohn's and other things. Um, and I had some friends say, what did you know? What you eat really matters. And did you know cheese is hard, can be hard on the, on the stomach and the bowels and stuff. And so I started researching health and, uh, for my, for my own personal health. 
Uh, and then, you know, I had my son and I started getting into like creating my own recipes because I'm a very, yeah. I am personally a very picky eater. <laughs> yeah. I really yeah. like the traditional North American diet, um, which includes both sort of the West, uh, what do I say? The colonization version of like fried things, but also sort of the Native American, like the, um, all the breads and corns and things like that. So I, I really like that kind of diet. Um, so I am tend to be picky. So that's kind of where I started. I, I, I started looking into it. Uh, I took a course called um, Total Health School of Nutrition was a accredited place in Alberta at the time. And they were the first nice. place to do plant based nutrition. So it was a year cool. and a half program diploma program. Wow. So I, I did that. And I started just creating my own courses because people kept asking me for recipes all the time. Um, so that's awesome. writing cookbooks. Were, were you plant-based during this time? Did you guys make that transition? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we, we tried going completely vegan for some period of time. It didn't last a whole long time just because uh, I really have this love of war approach, flexitarian approach where yes. um, there were some yeah. things in the vegan community and it's, it's much better now, but when I was doing it, there was some, some things that just didn't align well with me. For example, uh, I used leather saddles and I, I loved my horses and it was just conducive to using a product that would have longevity versus plastics. Um, right. So, I mean, now there's better options out there, you know, definitely there's bioplastics and things, but when I was doing it, it was much better for the environment to use leather. So I didn't get totally into the vegan piece, but as far as nutrition, definitely plant-based, yeah. um, I would say we were completely plant-based um for at least 10 years and we were sugar-free wow. for part of that so wow that's going to be something we talk about wow good that's awesome okay um we can come back to that or we can start just jumping right in what do you prefer yeah oh i guess i should say where i'm at now so let's fast forward so where i'm at now <laughs> Uh, where I'm at now is I, I'm focusing more on mental health because I'm noticing how much stress and emotions and mental health play into our physical body and also our desire to even eat healthy. So for yep. example, if, I, if I'm always dumping on myself and saying, well, I'm just not important or I'm not worth it, uh, but my kids are, then I'll cook healthy for them, but I won't for myself. But then the kids are like, well, why aren't you eating this? Uh, I've seen a lot of moms cook really nice wow. meals for kids and then they're just snacking because they're, they're not eating with their family. Um, wow. That's a gross. The kids are obedient, but it doesn't help imprint on them healthy living. Right. So, um, or healthy self-efficacy, right. Self-care, um, yeah. you know, honoring our, our body and, and that kind of thing. So, so wow. now I, I tend to focus more on that because I'm noticing for the most part, people really know what to eat. Like you, you typically don't like, you know, when I first started, I thought, oh, we need to worry about the RDA of a, vitamin A and C. And then the more I started researching RDAs and all that kind of stuff, I realized most of it was pretty arbitrary. <laughs> so there's What not is RDA? Like, Sorry. Pardon my ignorance. The recommended daily allowances. So oh, like, okay. okay. It's changing. So I, you know, but it might be something like 800 milligrams of calcium for men. And it might be 1200. Oh, got it. I don't yeah, remember exactly what it is right now. And it'll be different in the US to Canada to worldwide. Um, so yeah, I learned that there's lots of information, 
not a lot of research. There's a little tiny bit of research, but not a lot of research to back it up. It's really kind of fueled by um, money and politics. Companies, yeah. Companies yeah, who make the, make the products. Yeah, it's it's so, When I went through this, this food brand and we decided to like go down this route and did we did the whole thing. We did the manufacturers, the food scientists. It's funny because like my, my daughter's like, let's do this. And at first I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I started to look into it and I'm like, they have to be doing the best they are, like the best that's out there. I'm sure people are doing their best and the brands that are out there. are. Pro- and then I'm looking into it. And I'm like, this is mind boggling. And it's, I felt like Aaron Brockovich. It's like, if we don't do something about this, like what is going to happen? We, we need to do something. It's not okay. So I learned exactly what you said firsthand and why there's different things in place and why it keeps certain, certain people and players out of the game. Thankfully, mm-hmm. I think we're at a place as a society where there's just so many people now, like non-tolerance for it, that we're starting to see some change. But yes, I saw that firsthand. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to focus where it seems to be the most effective and that is on our thinking. And also like you say, nutrition is a really important part of it, but um, if we can focus on that. Most parents then have the tools to then integrate the nutrition um, as well into their, into their home. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, but I love wow. healthy lifestyle. And so, you know, exercise, diet, all of that plays into it. Getting out nature is a huge component for kids. So much, so important for their health. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. definitely and fun. It just gets there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So this is, this is fascinating to me and we have not had anybody on to talk about gut health or mental health as it relates to gut health and just the whole human, right? Like um, when you think of like your three major centers, you have your brain, your heart and your, and your stomach. Um, and I think now in the recent decade, certainly the recent five years, there's been a huge emphasis on um, your gut and your mental health, like all the you know different probiotics, prebiotics, whatever mm-hmm. other type of biotics, like <laughs> things that are coming out. So I would like to start there and then we will get into the mental health and how it helps play into the total self-care as a human. I think that's amazing. So could you share with us a little bit for the viewers, uh, most of our most of our viewers, parents, um, anywhere, kids are anywhere from two to like going to college, right? Teenagers. But just like, what did you learn through working with parents with gut health? What are some of the struggles, like the inflammation? How did you, like, what are some things people can do to help? How does that affect mood? Just like any of the things that are, that come sure. to your mind that you've learned. Sure. Um, well, first of all, um, I, I learned that there are some specific triggers for people who have irritable bowel that may or may not affect the general population. So Monash University has done a ton of research on um, the bowel and irritable bowels and um, gut health. Uh, and so they came up with this low FODMAP diet, which I don't know if I'm gonna really remember it, but it's low in um, uh, fructose, um, uh, oligosaccharides, polygosaccharides. There's certain, anyways, there's very specific sugars um, cool. that seem to trigger certain people. And once you know your categories, oh. then you can avoid those food groups to a point. Uh, the idea is to actually cheat as much as possible on this diet, but to be mindful of when you're going to do that and how much. So quantity plays a really big role. I'll give you an example. Um, I thought I could not eat oatmeal and raisins. I thought oh. those things were triggers because they, they do have some of these sugars in them. But it turns out if I have half a cup of oatmeal with two tablespoons of raisins, I'm totally fine. But if I have three quarters of a cup of oatmeal, it triggers me. 
So learning portion control wow. was huge because that really opens up the ball game, right? Like if you have to get rid of food groups because you think you can't eat these foods, um, you start to really whittle down what's available to you to cook with. Uh, and the reality is often right, right. when it's food insensitivity, we're talking about food insensitivities versus allergy, which an allergy is a is an immune system response. You know, you do the prick test and they and they they lump all up on the arm and that kind of thing. So that's an allergy response. Um, even allergies, less is better, but typically we want to avoid things that actually trigger the immune system response. But for most people they have what's called a food intolerance, meaning, you know, their stomach just starts acting up or they're just, yeah, just doesn't sit with them well, those kinds of things. So the portion control was amazing that I learned with Vanish and combining foods. So like, so like if, uh, and I, I can't remember, cause I just use an app cause it's, cause it's so complicated. <laughs> I just use the app, but like if yeah. I have blackberries then I don't want to have apples in the same meal because they will, so they all have different types of sugars and those different mm -hmm. types of sugars would affect you differently. I, it, it makes sense, but it didn't just click for me like ever in my life until just now that one of the biggest triggers of IBS is sugar. So white sugar actually is, is not too bad, but honey okay. is a big trigger. Um, and Got so it. is, so certain, so certain sugars. So fructose is a problem for IBS but not glucose. And, and so, um, and sucrose, the, the sucrose that you like white sugar, that is one, one molecule of glucose and one of fructose together. So, um, they kind of cancel it, but I will say that white sugar or too much sugar of any kind is an inflammatory. So it acerbates, I'm going to say that wrong. I love the word, have trouble saying it. Um, but it will acerbate all your symptoms. So, yeah. um, yeah, we definitely want to keep it lower. Um, and I believe, I don't know what it is for kids, for women. I think it's 100 um, milligrams a day total. 25 grams of added sugar a day is what they say in America. Okay. Now, I think that's high. That's that means added. I feel added. Right. Added. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's hard to know. Like if you look at a, a food package, a nutritional label, so this is just reality, right? You're going to go to the store and you're going to try and pick a cereal. You're going to look at the nutritional label. You're not going to know what part is added and what's a healthy, uh, just a healthy sugar, because we don't want to be afraid right. of sugar. Just like, like there was a fear of fat movement back in the nineties and early two exactly. thousands. Right. Um, and it went crazy. And then all of a sudden people were starting to have heart problems because they weren't not getting enough good fat. Um, and especially exactly. for children, like omega-3s we need for brain health. Uh, the same is actually true of sugars. Your body feels on glucose. Um, yep. And the brain is much healthier when it can run on glucose. Not so much oh, for good, adults. Oh, good, because we have a lot of fruit. Children. Not, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, okay, so like keto and those kind of things, and your body will just reconvert fat into sugar and that kind of thing. But, but children particularly, okay. they do. For example... This is a terrible study, but it was it it was legit. Back in the fifties, they were you know sugar cereals. They were trying to fuel, and they did studies how you know eating breakfast cereals and lots of sugar. They would even say candy bar. If you had a test, give a child a candy bar, uh, and there was yeah, some I've truth that. to that. It, it's but it has all those bad negative consequences after you come down. After. From yeah. So we we want right. to stay away from those kinds of things uh, and just eat whole foods as much as possible. Okay. So that was going to be where I went with that. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that. So 
with all the confusion and all of the stuff out there, like the best heuristic for people is fruits are great. Natural foods from the earth um, are the way to go. Unless your children has your child has an intolerance to it, then you have to be mindful of portion control. Exactly. Yeah. Because we we have, you know, a handful of nuts is going to have some sugars in it, has carbs in it. So absolutely. Yeah. Right. Um, Okay. This seems like an appropriate place to ask about the time of your life. Because I didn't know that about you. I was actually vegan for 10 years also, Um, mostly plant-based. Like I was vegan for most of that, but very, very plant-based, veg forward. Um, Tell me about the time when you guys went sugar free or, you know, no added sugar as a family. What did that look like? What did meals look like? What was the conversion to that for your son? How old was he at the time? Was it like anarchy at the house? Like... (laughs) My son was pretty young. And as long as I cooked good, he didn't care. So I think flavor makes a big difference. Um, We still used um, sugar alternatives at that time. Um, And uh, so yeah, I think we just I mean, we mostly tried to I, I learned doing that, that really was about reducing sugar, and and then trying to find some healthy alternatives that yep. was kind of that was my takeaway and that's why i'm not we're not sugar free anymore um because we realized it's got to be sustainable Balance. whatever you do yeah. in your family home it needs to be sustainable and it's, it's a lot of this stuff is you get we get passionate about it we get excited about it and we do it for five or ten years and then year 12 13 14 comes along and it's like oh you know we feel disappointed we can't have this you know cake like uh we were really lucky all of our friends were really into health. So like, even when we go to church potluck, it'd be like sugar-free cakes and, or almost sugar-free, wow. but close to it. Yeah. Um, what were you using so, as sugar-free alternatives? What, what, what does that mean? Oh, what type God, of thing? Good question. It was a long time ago. So now I use dates, like I use whole foods. Okay. Back then whole I probably food. would have okay. used, yeah, probably back then I would have used stuff like honey I think a guave made its rounds and I probably jumped on that bandwagon for a while. Got it. Um, Got it. Yeah. There was a couple other, other things. Uh, we did do maple syrup, which is still sugar, but it's not white yeah. refined sugar. Um, in fact, it has some B vitamins in it and iron. So that's cool. Um, okay. This is good. And so sometimes it's going through the fire to get the perspective. Yeah. And so the perspective that you gleaned was <clears throat> An absolute extreme diet is going to be challenging, um, but to keep it like keep it to the whole foods, to keep it to the whole types of sugars. Yeah, and I mean, and I should say because people are so much more educated now. When I was saying sugar back then, in my brain, I was thinking white refined sugar. So I'm not right you know, because exactly. the word sugar has a lot of definitions, and so I want to be clear about defining that. Like generally, when you hear sugar from a professional, they're generally referring to white refined sugar. They're not talking about starches and fiber because. So technically sugar and carb are together and um yeah right like corns have sugar yeah, different yeah. starches have sugars it's it's the added stuff that you really don't need in there type thing yeah like when you have a carbohydrate it breaks down to sugar fiber and starch those are the three categories yeah. of carbohydrate so that yeah right so what your body uses for for fuel right yeah so yeah. how does how do you feel how do nutritionists feel about all the options nowadays with like the zero calorie sugars, uh, like the stevias and then like the, you know, like the coffee creamers and like the energy drinks and all these like zero sugars. Where does that, where does that sit with you? 
So I think it has its place talking about parenting and families. I'd say it has very, it, it unless there is a, a specific medical reason to do that, for instance, um, diabetes type one, that might be a medical reason where those, those might be helpful full and creating some treats for your children. Barring that, I would say uh, I'd avoid them. Um, now, adults, weight loss, there, there, are, there is some place for that type two diabetes even for adults. But for kids, the, the trouble is our taste buds adjust. And uh, the sweeter we make food, even with stevia, which is, I mean, I grow stevia every summer. I grow some stevia. It's fun and it tastes great. Oh, it's cool. really sweet. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, I mean, I have no trouble. I use stevia. Um, so, so I have no problem with these products. Uh, the idea is to, to, to help children's palates go from, you know, human milk is quite sweet compared to cow's milk. We, mm -hmm. Kids are kind of pre-programmed to like sweet. Um, right. they, they need the carbs at the beginning stages of their life. So, so they are, they're, they're attracted to apples and oranges and grapes. The trouble is the minute they have pop or something with sugar, whether that's fake sugar, diet pop, or whether it's real sugar, their taste buds go, Ooh, wow. It's kind of like, you know, a powerhouse of like, it's like the most exciting thing ever. And it just stimulates everything. And, and then you yeah. start to crave that. Because it was mm -hmm. such a fun experience. Yeah. It tasted so good. And the brain just starts firing, ooh, more of that, more of that. Um, and and eventually you'll get they get to the place where they can't even stand a plain apple. They're like, oh, it, has, it doesn't have any flavor. And um, right. it's not sweet, right? Because wow. they're so yep. used to like apple pie or something sweet. So I would say we want to, you know, help children to eat the whole foods and avoid things that just are excessively sweet for the most part. I mean, obviously I'm okay with like a, you know, birthday cake and things like that. For sure. We do that. We yeah. Donuts once in a while, like we're, we're definitely not so strict because again, it needs to be sustainable, but the, the yeah. And your body, like adjusts. your, your body needs to be able to process it too. Right. Like obviously you can't eat those things every day. And I, I read a meme the other day, like one bad meal doesn't make you unhealthy. One good meal doesn't make you healthy. But I also have family members and friends that were so strict with their children. Like they could only eat what was made in the garden and then this and this. And they, they, it took a lot amount of effort to maintain that. And when those kids went to college, like dang, because you know, now they're not making those decisions for themselves. And now with that, and that gets into the mental health component. And there's a lot of that, but like, it's the, I deserve this. I want this. I wasn't given this. I, you know, it's, it's, there's a, it's deep. Um, that's why I think just modeling that balance from the beginning and, and preaching the, preaching the benefits of the good stuff or showing it is even better. And yeah. then just tr giving them accessibility to make the right choices. Okay. So I have one more sugar question and I'm sorry, this is just such a hot topic, especially for me, because this that is why we made this product. When I would go to the Whole Foods or the healthy stores and I would look at the aisles, like, and I'd look at what was in these things, like it just made me sick. Um, and I want, I want parents to have a better option. And there are some stuff out there, right? They're not great, but we're getting there. So I saw a space and an opportunity to help. Um, with the uh, standard American diet, the standard Canadian diet, um, where do you normally help people make small adjustments? Right now, like if they open up the fridge, they are the fridge or the um, pantry. There's all these types of packaged snacks. Like, would you recommend like fresh over packaged? Like, what are some of the tiers to help them get back to like their children being okay with a palate of earthbound food? 
Love that question. So I, I have this model of create a diet of addition rather than subtraction. The subtraction will happen naturally. Um, and so like start with getting, you know, as much involve your children in sit them down and go, okay, let, let's look at all these different vegetables. Let's try some, let's see what you like. What, what do you already like and create a list? And I did this with my son. So we had a list of vegetables he liked and I would make sure the fridge was stocked with those vegetables and fruit. Um, but for us, vegetables were harder. So, so we had more emphasis on vegetables. Fruit came easy. I like fruit. So did my son, but we didn't like vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about that because yeah. you're the only person that's ever happened to. Nobody listening here ever has had a kid struggle with vegetables. <laughs> yeah. My I, I can I can even try and like drain it in ranch dressing, thinking it's the gateway drug. Just let him try the carrot and then I'll take away the ranch. I'll put like the tiniest pea, the tiniest little sliver, and he'll be like, Bleh, and he like finds it. And I'm like, oh my God, dude. Is it a texture thing? Like what did you do? Like walk us through it. Sure. We need help. I need help. <laughs> it, can be, it can be a couple things. So typically, typically we can kind of get it into two categories. One is um, bitter and the other category is texture. I mean, the third is flavor, but generally you can adapt to a flavor. So for instance, a lot of kids mm -hmm. will have tomato sauce, but they don't want fresh tomatoes. So the flavor yep. does change, right? That there's more umami in tomato sauce versus a regular tomato. So that umami kind of draws you in and it's very satisfying. Um, mm. So, um, the, but the texture often of like a raw tomato is over the top for most kids. It just can't, they just don't do it. Um, and that does adjust. So one of the rules of thumb, and I was gonna look this study up because we were talking about this in our pre-meeting, um, but one of the rules of thumb is it takes on average between 12 and 16 times of tasting yes. something before you I adapt and actually find that you would tolerate it or even like it. So you might actually hate it, try it 16 times and then like it. The key is it needs to be just tiny, just like all you need is half a pea. <laughs> Um, and not just swallow it. It does need to hit the taste buds because my thing was, well, I'll just swallow the piece. <laughs> so they, it's okay if they don't swallow it as long as I can get, I can do that. Like yeah. I have stickers and monster trucks for yeah. leverage. Like we can do this. It's not about their stomach needing to accept it. It's about their brain saying that this is okay. Yeah. It's not hor horrible. Uh, so really it's just kind of getting it on their tongue, rubbing it on their tongue, um, and then leave it for a few more days and eat, eat the rest of their meal. Um, so number one, you're not making this a big ordeal when you do it. It's just, yes. you need to be casual about this. Like, oh, it's not a big deal. We're just going to rub it on your tongue, make it a joke. And even if they're kind of freaking out about it, you, as an adult, you need to just be chill about it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's okay. So not no big deal. Um, and you can kind of acknowledge that they might be feeling like, Oh yeah. You know what? Mommy stuff, like there's some healthy stuff out there and I've had to, you know, eat it. It tastes terrible. I, I totally get it. But mom's still going to ask you just to rub it on your tongue. Let's do it real quick. And you can make a game out of it. Um, and then you That's tell cool. them like, like, you know, I wouldn't necessarily tell kids, well, I'm going to give you 16 tries. Cause they might, they might just like hold out for that. No. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, Boycott just, dinner. 
Yeah, yeah. So, but but it's all about just as small as possible. Um, and then you know the fourth or fifth time, then it needs to be a little bigger and maybe chew it once or things like that. So sort of this progression and just let them know that it's true for you too. That we don't really know what we don't really know for sure that we don't like a food until we've tried it multiple times because when it's new, it's kind of like the brain is going, "What is this?" And that "What is this?" can be feel really uncomfortable that's why we think we don't like the food um that is so well explained for a child's vernacular that is probably the best i've ever heard that be explained um i'm really appreciative for that that's great yeah the everything has to be at their level you know Uh, i think parents try too hard to reason so the age of reasoning starts starts at eight years old before eight Kids cannot, you can logic them all you want. They don't get it. It's not that they don't care. It's not that they're not listening to you. They're not being disobedient or disrespectful. They don't get it. Their brain cannot understand it. Same with symbolism. It's very Mm. hard for children under six to understand symbolism. Um, For them, when they see a human being on TV doing something, you can tell them it's fake. They won't get it. It looks real to them. It's real to their brain. Um, And so it's, it's, it's hard because we we want to rationalize it because we want our kids to like embrace it. Um, and you do need to do that as they start to age. But when they're really little, they won't get it. So it's much better to just make it a game. You can say simple, you can still say simple facts because they can internalize the facts. Um, and that definitely leaves an imprint for sure. But they're not, you're not going to be able to say, okay, well, if you do this, then like if you eat this, it'll be good for you because then your brain, because they don't even have frontal lobe, which is their fourth yeah. thought. Uh, right. I mean, men do not fully develop their frontal lobe till 30 years old. Women, it's th- 25. And that's the ability to know that what I do now is going to affect me in the future. So you can oh, imagine. Well, that, that's a lot of a. You know, we want to like, yeah. we're like, I just want to eat the t- potato chips, mom. Like, what are you talking about? It's going to make me that's, fat. Right? That's where I just went when you said that. I'm like, oh, I'm being a little hard on my 15 year old then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Wow. Okay. So if, if they, if they reason doesn't resonate, what is the modality to communicate? Just facts? So- yeah, you can just say simple facts, but you're not trying to get them to rationalize that this is, yeah, from end from from beginning to end. Um, simple facts, uh, games. Um, it's okay to tell a child that, hey, I'm, I'm looking out for you. I'm your parent. I love you. And this is the best way for you. If anything, that actually helps kids to feel more secure. We've kind of... Cool. Like you can go from this like authoritative, you need to do this because I said so. And now I think we've swayed too far into always allowing choice, 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 choice. And that's actually pretty overwhelming for little children. It's teens love it. Like that's fine when they're older, but you you know, the younger they are, the less choice they should be given because it's actually harder for them. Um, Three-year-olds don't know, like- interesting. You can give them two two shirts and say, do you want to wear the pink one or the blue one? And it seems really cute and fun. Or would you like the carrot or would you like the um, cucumber? Um, it seems like we're doing something so nice. But actually, it's always putting pressure on them to decide. And we live mm. in an information overload society right now. They're having to choose all the time. Right? So it's giving them like anxiety a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It adds stress wow. to their life. Whereas if you say, okay, wow. here's dinner, this is what dinner looks like. Now, outside of dinner, you could start talking with them and which ones do you like? What, what vegetables you go shopping and you're conversating with them. That's not the same thing. Cause now they're building a relationship with you. They're not, they're not choosing. Right. So like, if I say, Hey, um, look at these different vegetables. Mommy's never even tried these new, like this, this Chinese cabbage looks interesting. I've never even tried that. Should we, should we try that? Cool. You know, this week. Yeah. Um, so you're having a conversation now. That's a, that's a choice. Should we try that yep. this week? Right. But if I take them down the aisle and say, you let's look at all these vegetables, which ones do you like? Now they're giving me information. They're not really choosing. They're saying, well, I like the carrots, I like the peas, I like the potatoes. You know, I like the jicama. Um, not probably on three years, not going to say jicama, but you know, the older children might. <laughs> and yeah, so like, that's, that's, a, that's an advanced palate. <laughs> yeah, so, so just understanding the difference between having a conversation what does your child like versus, oh, you get here, you're getting to pick or you're helping me, you know, with the menu. Um, definitely we add that. I mean, five, six, seven, you're slowly adding choice for sure. Definitely. Um, but I think we get a little overboard on trying to figure out if we, if we involve them in choice, maybe they'll eat healthier. Um, yeah. And that doesn't always play out because they're going to like the pretty pink, you know, sparkly, <laughs> sugary things. They want the cake pop, it's not designed. the carrot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's how we survived as a species. We went for the stuff that was going to maintain our body fat. Mm -hmm. and now we're just in a place where mm -hmm. there's food literally falling off the shelves. Um, it's just different. Um, that's awesome. Do you have any thoughts on like feeding schedules? Like is there like you hear so many things like you have to feed your kid on a certain cadence or like feed them when they're hungry. And I know I have uh, friends and family that like only feed their children at meals. There's no snack time so that they're more – susceptible or like more open and hungry to eat the healthy stuff at mealtime. And then there's other people that are like, whatever, my kid's hungry. I'll give them what, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Cause I see some patterns. Sure. Yeah. There's definitely uh, different parenting styles and by, by, by all standards, it is difficult to do scheduling and to have children who are hungry and cranky. Um, I, I would say that if they're getting, um, a balanced meal with enough proteins, enough fiber, enough nutrients at their meals. They typically don't need snacks. Uh, we never did snacks. My son never did snacks. He never even asked for them. Now, caveat to that, so no one panics. <laughs> the caveat to that is my son still is not an eater. Like he, he, like he has a tiny. I don't know how he's six four. <laughs> He doesn't wow. eat really anything. I, I just don't know. He's just not an eater. Um, some people crave food and they love it in their mouth, and uh, but he's he's just not one of those people. So uh, so I had it easy. So just for those of you out there, if you need to, if you need healthy snacks, don't don't feel ashamed or anything. Um, but 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 one thing we're trying to teach children by not free feeding all all, all the time is uh, we. We, uh, while I love plant-based and I'm definitely plant-based, we're, we're not um, herbivores in the sense of the way our stomach is. We don't chew our cud. <laughs> uh, we can't eat just grass out, out the gate. Um, and so we don't, we're not grazers. The body is, our Got body it. is not set up for grazing. Um, it needs rest periods so that the, the, the juices, I say juices, the acids, stomach acids yeah. can really build up. Um, the bacteria and things in the bowel. The bowel is is kind of designed to do shifts, shift work, uh, not a constant um, 
intake of food and then outtake of food. So, so our bodies awesome. are designed for meals. And the second piece to that is teach your kids that it's okay to feel a little hungry, then they don't get so overwhelmed and, and hangry as adults. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I know a lot of gentlemen who are very hangry adults because they were always allowed to eat when they were kids. But then as they get older, they can't maintain that, right? They just, you'll get too overweight, not enough experience uh, of calories. So um, yeah, I, I'm a meal person. And also the other thing with having regular meals, a couple things. One, it creates security emotionally, which is helpful yep. for their whole health. Uh, it actually takes some pressure off of the parents in some ways, right? Because now you have to plan it. You just know this is this is the way it needs to be. Um, and it gives you that that um, motivation to do it. And uh, and then your circadian rhythm, again, like your body sets sends out signals to the stomach. Okay, this is, get, get, get ready. We're going to be eating in an hour. Um, and so your body's set up to digest better um, when you're staying on a regular schedule. I like that. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the um, the rest periods of time. Obviously, intermittent fasting is so um, popular now as an adult. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, you wouldn't you know give your kid sixteen hours of not eating um, is not optimal for growth. But what does that look like for children? Do you, like um, should it be like you know how, like what's the typical time frame in between meals recommended? Mm -hmm. Obviously, this has to be you know cater to your individual child and their needs. And if they're outside in a hot day and they're playing football, like they need to have electrolytes and you know, that type of stuff. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. Water's really, really important. Um, yeah. I mean, three, three meals a day, you know, an hour or two after getting up, uh, you want to eat anywhere from two to three hours before bed. Um, even longer is fine. So actually conceivably you could do 16 hours for children um, yeah. because really children should be getting that 10 hours, 11 hours of sleep until they're, until they're preteen preteen actually they almost need more sleep in teenagers, like 10, 11, or like 11 to 13. They can sometimes get away with the eight hours, nine hours. Um, mm -hmm. And then as they hit teens, they need that nine again. Uh, 9 and 11 because you're going through puberty and your body is making all these changes. So you need more sleep again. Uh, so yeah, kids actually need quite a bit more sleep than they're probably getting with our society the way it is. Um, oh, and, well, yeah, and I don't want to make it too random, but it does connect to sleep because I can't not talk about integrative health when I'm talking nutrition. Um, and that is, That's there good. is, there's some preliminary research showing how uh, we get more of the hungry hormone I think it's ghrelin. Of course. Uh, when you don't of get enough course. sleep. So when you don't sleep enough, your your body's saying, "Oh, eat. You need to eat so you can get satisfied, so you can be sleepy." Uh, and so, yeah, kids are going to be hungry more if they're not getting enough sleep. So uh, it's so yeah, interesting like how the hormones all play with each other. And um, you had mentioned you'd asked me about gut health. We started on that, and I got a little bit off because I, I do want to come back to that for a second. So there's some research on how, you know, good gut health, you know, it promotes health of body. Um, mm -hmm. And the converse is also true. So there's research out there that when you have good mental health, you can actually change your gut bacteria. So, nice. so um, helping to lower stress will actually improve your gut health. So it's quite interesting how these are so connected, you know, to, yeah. to our digestion, you know, like that, you know, 
happy. Being happy can help your food digest better. So that's why, you know, colors and, and flavors and enjoying food and being together as a family when you're eating, why all that yeah. plays into actually getting better nutrition because your, your gut health helps you pull out more nutrients out of the food. That's awesome. Does that look like um, a gratitude, a gratitude exercise? Does that look like being like, a, like I think of when you're in the gym, like a mind muscle connection. Um, does that look at the, taking in and what you want to glean from it and, and, and like interjecting your own intentions. What does that look like? Yeah. I mean, I, the, the test that they did in this, in the science and the research that I was, that I'm referring to, um, was they, they looked at people who were having negative thoughts about themselves. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not good enough or, you know, um, I'm an idiot or because kids, kids thoughts tend to be more like I'm stupid or, um, you know, it's not fair, these kinds of negative thoughts. Uh, and we used cognitive behavior therapy. So tools to help with rational thinking, um, logical thinking, cause it's not rationalizing like we were talking earlier with children, uh, but kids can right. learn logic like facts and, uh, and, and using those tools to help reshape those thoughts. So they, the thought comes, I I'm, I'm stupid and you counter it with and whatever works for that person. So in my case, it might be something like, you know what? I do make mistakes and that's totally okay. Um, or, or, you know what? I'm, I make some mistakes, but I'm not a total idiot. So there's all kinds of positive thoughts that might work, right? Uh, they will be different for different people. So that. So in terms of like, in, in terms of digestion and food, it's not necessarily, having a positive mindset about the food, it's having a positive self mindset. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, if then, okay. if you're, I mean, if you're, you know, oh, this tastes horrible. Mom's such a meanie for making me eat it. That's negative thinking. So it's negative yeah, thinking yeah. in general. Could be about the food, Got it. could be about the relationship, could be about oneself. That makes sense. I, I, There's that study. It's like something here in Moshi. It was like the study of water. And when they had a water on a sound plate and they played different resonance of music, the resonance of higher, like love and hope and, and, um, joy. It actually moved the, the water molecules into very beautiful, like snowflake esque shapes, right? Cause water, which were, you know, mostly from a mm -hmm. compound perspective made up of water, um, mm -hmm. It affects you. And they did the same with the antithesis, hate, anger, and it, very, it acted and looked very much like cancer cells um, and, and disease, dis-ease. So it, it's a very cool book. I, I read it in high school and it really um, set me on my journey Like when I became plant-based and stuff. Um, kind of a tangent, but really messed me up when I, when I was vegan. So when I got pregnant and my husband is Samoan and this little boy is a carny, like total meat kid. Um, so I, I felt like I was like, uh, and then I would eat it. I'm like, Oh God, it's good. <laughs> like It's so bad. Um, but also I, I also was vegan for a long time for the spiritual component and just feeling more of like a primary consumer of the light of earth of energy and not like a tertiary consumer. Um, but then I, I watched something and they're like, oh, well, the blade of grass has feelings. And when you cut the blade of grass, it gets stressed out. I'm like, well, what? damn, like whatever I eat is going to mess something up. So I was like, I, I genuinely do enjoy the taste of vegetables. I love them. So what we get in the practice of is we do like morning, um, not necessarily affirmations, just like getting your mind primed for the day. 
And then when we do sit at meals, and it's not every meal because there are plenty of days when I'm rushing off to work and my son is eating, you know, like packaged food, like a, like a healthy cereal or like oatmeal. Like it's kind of packaged, but it's healthy-ish, um, you know, in the front. Yeah. Um, and so it's not every meal. But mo- like when we eat as a family, which is several times a week, we always like show gratitude for where the food came from and that type of thing. And I think it just gets them to start understanding. Mm-hmm. Um even though they're like Gabe's three, so he's not yet at that age with the front prefrontal cortex, but you'd yeah. be amazed at the things they start to put together. Like, um, yeah. um, mommy, water came from the earth, so it's healthy. Or the other day, he's like, God made this carrot. Like, it's just so cool to like hear how they yeah. how they rationalize as they develop rational thinking. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that as it pertains to food because, like, I'll give you an example. Right now, my son will eat anything as long as it's pizza loves pizza, loves it. So, you know, we try and like get him to be in other foods, but I don't want to like make him um, not enjoy meals. So I'll give him half, I'll give him a small amount of pizza and I'll give him what we have and I'll let him play with both. And, you know, if he takes a few bites of it, he doesn't necessarily have to like it, then I'll allow him to eat more of what he wants. But I, I just want him to have a positive experience about food. And the cool thing is, so ha- we have conversations. Like I said, right now, this is what you like. When you get older, you're going to want to taste all the different flavors and the textures from our world. There's so many cool things. And he's like, when I'm older, yeah. And so then a few days later, he's like, now that I'm older, I'm going to try this. So it's just kind of cool to like just put the little seeds and see what happens. I mean, he's much better than he was. And he used to love vegetables. That's what tripped me up. But when he was a baby, I could give that boy avocado, cauliflower, broccoli, like everything. But it's a texture thing. And so then I'm like, I'll just cook it. But that didn't help either. He's like, now it's too squishy. So I'm like, okay, we're just going to like let this fly and we'll just keep trying. I love what you said about the small amounts. Anyway, that was a tangent, but amazing. Well, no, and I I love what you're saying because it is important to not give up, right? Sometimes we, and then we get busy. So then we forget to retry it. You know, life goes on. It's been five years and you turn back and you go, oh, wow, it's been five years. (laughs) Uh, It just goes by like a flash. Um, and again, I would, I involved uh, my, well, even my husband, you know, to make sure he's eating enough vegetables. Like, you do like it cooked? Do you like it? So like carrots, I mean, you can cook on a scale of, of just warm. And to be honest with you, that's, that's actually my favorite. favorite. My favorite is a carrot that's just, like, it's a little bit soft, but it's still crunchy. Like it's still basically a raw carrot. Yeah. And that's kind of my favorite warmth and texture. I just, I think I love the warmth. Um, and so you, you can play with that. It can be, or you can cook it a little bit longer, a little bit longer and, and get the kids in there in the kitchen with you cooking with you, because then they kind of, it's, yep. they're invested in it. Um, yep. and having them make the pizza and then, you know, like we would make it more and more whole grain. Um, well, my son was raised on whole grain, so that wasn't a problem. He, he was okay with that. Um, although we had some, uh, issues with like too heavy a bread. So some people actually can digest really well, really heavy breads, the, the German Italian heavy, ooh, you know, these big, uh, whole grain bread. That's us. Got that going for us. All right. Good. Uh, and those people who have IBS, we have to be a little careful about fiber because <laughs> if you have too much fiber, yeah. it can be a little bit hard on the system. <laughs> uh, I heard so the term of fiber terrorism recently. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And certain fibers actually are easier than others. So like the soluble fibers, pretty easy to digest for me, the oatmeals and things like that. Um, but uh, too, too much actual heavy roughage brand, that kind of thing is a little hard, hard on my system, but can have it in small amounts. Um, 
which is great because we need variety. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Well, this has been like, this has been so great. You gave enough, you've given us practical tools. I usually ask for you to give one practical tool, but I feel like you've already done that and, and then some. And it was just fun to just pontificate with you as well. So I, I just love your brain. Um, thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. And thank you for showing up for parents. I also love separately that as a parent, you've gone on your own journey of self-discovery and now you're helping so many people with that work. I think we get, that's another like tertiary reason I do this channel is so parents can, who are in the thick of diapers and this and this, and it's like a lot right now, they have visions for their life. They have things they want to do. Like I heard this analogy once that I loved. It's um, the law of the winding staircase. When you start on ground one, you're facing the right direction and eventually you'll get back to the third or fourth floor and you'll be facing the right direction. But 90% of the time you are facing any direction other than the one you're trying to go. And your life experience will culminate in such a way to give you a very specific skill set that are going to set you up to do some really cool stuff in this world. So when I meet people like you who have done it, I just find it so motivating. I just like to call it out and share it with our parents. So Angela... You have been wonderful. Thank you for spending time with us today. I appreciate it. Oh, you were, you were beautiful. Parents, if you guys made it this far, I'm so proud of you. I love you guys more than you'll ever know. Just showing up for yourselves and your children. We do this for you. So please don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Throw some comments and some love. Help us get into other parents' uh, households so they can impact their families. And let us know what you would like to hear from our channel. Um, I get your feedback. I go find incredible people like Angela to come to take their time and their beautiful morning to come spend with us. And we love learning from them. So uh, thanks for being here, guys. Until the next perfect time, stay beautiful, stay inspired. Bye, guys.